0: and welcome. You are live in the studio with Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. Thank you for joining me, all of my regular listeners. I hope all of that Christmas craziness is not driving you batty like it is me um, and that you're surviving all of this, well, this nice cool weather really. Normally this time of year we'd be talking about how warm it is but of course it being Christmas break, it's uh, it's nice and cool, which is good. Uh, little one, one less thing to worry about with all the kids, stuff and everything else that's going on because when we run small businesses, of course, we run everything including the household and our lives and the family lives and everything else. So today's all about getting a little bit more educated, which we love doing here on Small Biz Matters. And I'm very excited to be welcoming Achana today. Now, Achana is an expert and I met with her a few weeks ago. Gosh, no, it was a couple of months ago now. And we were talking all about one aspect of your business that it kind of, it's a bit of a standalone. We think about online selling. We think about our website selling and we think about sales, in, in, a, in the capacity of what it might happen on your website and what you're doing with that sort of work. But you don't think of it as an interactive part of your business plan. And how it all connects in is the one big jigsaw with getting yourself organised, but also thinking of the future. It's a part of your website that most of us have now. Most of us have some element of sales within our website. It's very important we have informational, but occasionally we might do some ticket selling if we're a consultant, or we might have some um, registrations or some aspect where you have a checkout as part of your website. But quite often that is just a component that doesn't feed into anything else. So. E-commerce is a bit of a dark art of selling, and uh, it's not only crucial to your online sales, but actually, it needs to make sense and integrate with your future as well. Now, it's always great to have an expert, and uh, Chana is an expert in terms of serious longevity in your industry. When we were talking, she was using words like, um, you know, the early days of eBay and uh, really online, really early, early days of online selling. That um, th- that shows that she's really been in the industry for a long time and can see the history of it and. and The evolution of online sales. Um, So you are here from Owl and Monk, Um, and Chana. How long have you been working in the industry, and why? Why can we seriously consider you to? Why should we consider you to be an expert in your field?
1: So I've been working... Oh, good morning, Alexi. And thank you for having me <laughs> That's today. It's a pleasure. Thanks a for coming in. i <laughs> excited distracted, but here I am. Um, so I've been working with uh, small to medium businesses for the last 10 to 15 years, um, and where I started was actually providing graphic design services to business, um, and within that itself, it's about understanding the um, business owner and what their goals are mm. and who their customers are, and I'm putting this up front before answering your question because I want to highlight just that graphic design is a foundation for representing a business Mm. and when you go online, it's actually about creating that experience harmoniously across everything you do, Mm. both from your touch points to your business card, your logo to your actual website itself. Um, So within that time, I actually met a few retailers who were online online. They were there. They weren't quite sure what they were doing. Um, Wasn't that the case with everyone back back 10 or 15 years ago? Oh, absolutely. We know
0: we need to have an online presence, but we
1: don't know what that means yet or what the future holds. It's the same as social media. Let's just get across absolutely every social platform because we're there because obviously everyone else does it, so let's do it too. Mm. Um, so my probably my first inter- in, introduction to going online was actually working with a retailer and manufacturer who was selling car parts. Um, it was quite an interesting category to actually sell online. Sexy. It's sexy. very sexy. <laughs> and, How do you make those things look and good? And you know what, there's a customer for it. But their first introduction was actually selling on eBay and what they wanted to do with eBay was just get rid of a lot of old um, stock. Things were actually unrelated to their product offering that were just taking up valuable warehousing space. And being a graphic designer at the time with no e-commerce experience I was like, oh holy hell, what do we do with this You know, sort of thing. Um, so What I had to do was actually talk to to developers, eBay experts, and find a solution to actually um, visually represent their brand on eBay. Uh, eBay is a very interesting platform. It has a lot of protocol and policies to conform to. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. Now that
0: you mentioned that whole getting something that fits in with them, is it kind of like we all know what happens if you try and get on the Woolworths shelves? You know, you've got to have a certain size, a certain container Uh, you know, shape that's going to fit on their shelf. Is it kind of the same with big online retailers like eBay? You've got to fit in their Widget?
1: Absolutely. All right. So uh, lots of different rules in place. Um, The rules in place generally, it's a... To actually um, create the best customer experience as possible. Um, So, when people go online, they want to find a product, Mm. but quite often they can't find what they're looking for because it hasn't been actually listed in a way that is coherent to the way people actually talk or search for. Um, And if they do come across those products, it's like it doesn't look like the genuine article, and you know people lose a sense of trust because what they're looking at online, whether it's on an online store or eBay store, doesn't make people feel confident actually handing over their credit card. Mm. Um, So within eBay itself, they've got certain rules to do with how you represent your photography. They've got best practice in recommending how many photos to to use and just to not clutter anything. Mm -hmm. So if you're selling a bottle of water, don't have, you know, a glass in that photo as well because you're not selling the glass. It's just about communicating exactly what you're selling and just keeping it as simple as possible. You mentioned just then
0: um, the importance of it being customer focused and easy for the customer to go through that that journey, as we call it, of, of, of sales. Is that kind of the same fundamental thing we should be thinking about when we're selling our own products on our own website?
1: I think the rules apply to every business, whether or not you're selling yourself as a service operator or you're actually selling products online. Um, so online is the first touch point, a Prospective customer can have with your business, um, so this is why it's a really important investment for any business owner to actually present themselves as professionally as possible. So by creating a website that performs really it performs well, it's easy to use, mobile responsive, and also just displays your product offering and your service offering as clear as possible.
0: Mm. Um, and, and obviously, that that product offering, if we're talking about products specifically, needs to be as you mentioned clean, clear, obvious what it is that you're selling and, and an easier experience. In your experience, have you come across um, you know, websites that have been really clunky, can you give me an example of someone who's just, who you can see straight away that the customer's just not going to be happy working their way through this website to buy a product?
1: Um, Probably not an example specifically to a retailer, but more just, you know, when you visit a website and it just doesn't load. So the time it takes for a page to actually display the information, people get distracted. It's generally a rule of thumb between three and five seconds. (laughs) If you can't communicate your message within that time, they're lost. We're all goldfish Um, now these days, aren't we? we we? Three or five seconds. (laughs) We're we're too stimulated by everything Mm. else that's going on. But I think if you come to a web page that has just too many visuals, too many... Um, animations or things that are distracting you away from what the actual idea of what you're trying to tell the person that's coming to your site, they're, they're not going to stay. So the best practice is about just having a very clear upfront message about what your business does and why it's important to that person that's looking at, you at the page at that time. And I think if you have that foundation, you know, any website should be successful. Well,
0: that brings me neatly into, into one of the points of today's show, which is trying to tie in what you're doing online with that website, let's face it and your marketing strategy. So can you give me a couple of tips on how to interact those things Like, really integrate them really well with one another so that your strategy is moving forward and so is your website along the same lines?
1: Okay, so it's a very broad question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, the way I think about it is your website, it's a business tool. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a platform to potentially market your business to whoever your customer base is and to use to actually grow your business. Uh, There's tools involved that can actually help you automate your functions and your key processes within your daily runnings of your business. But when it comes to marketing, it's about being strategic and understanding why you actually want to do the things you do. Um, So going back to the very basics of kind of understanding what your product is and how it's helpful to your customer and understanding who that customer is. So once you can answer those questions, you can then start putting a plan to place to your marketing and start actually talking to your customers through marketing means that you know they're actually active listeners. Um, So, you know, marketing comes in various forms, but it becomes a part of a holistic strategy. Um, And with online retailers in particular, um, how do I say this? Uh, So with online retailers... Well, actually, I'll just divide it up into three parts. Hmm. So with retail, you've got physical retail. So you've got a physical store where people walk by your store each day. Now, their biggest marketing or passive marketing, I guess you could say, is the local bus goes down the street, people walk past, people talk about it. But for people that sell purely online, there's a term called pure play, they have to rely on a very strategic and aggressive marketing approach because there's no touch point for people to actually see and experience their products Um, And then there's businesses that kind of sit somewhere in the middle. So they have a physical store and they're online. They're trying to learn how to complement one another. Um, The way I look at it is um, within the strategy itself, regardless if you're pure play or bricks and mortar, you always need to be within the realms of where your customer is. So create a touch point, create a talking point. If you're purely an online retailer, have a pop-up space. Go to a market store, get your, your product out there, and let people actually touch, experience, and try that on. Um, and so, the marketing strategy all kind of relates back to how do you communicate that message as um, actively as possible with as many you know people that are actually willing to listen. One of the things
0: you mentioned when we were sitting down having a coffee was the importance of having that touch and feel point to your product because um, there's sort of this there's been this I feel a movement back towards a blend of online and actual physical space because people are moving away from that. Well, I'm sick of buying stuff and it's not quite right. It's not what I was expecting and I'm sending it back. So in a way there's there's a lot of the clever retailers are making sure they've got a, a, a foot, foot in both stands. They've, they've got physical presence where people can touch and feel the products and then they've got a quick, easy way to buy them. Mm-hmm. So have you noticed that in your experience there's been a gradual movement back towards having a foot in both camps?
1: Absolutely. Um, so I think the statistic recently um, I read was 72% of um, people actually still want to have an engagement with a small business owner, whether or not it's in person or online, they still want that human touch. Um, So I think there's always going to be a place in that, regardless of what they say about digital domination, the end of physical retail. Um,
0: Is it the same as saying... Is it is it good enough to say that um, that physical or that touch point can be something like social media, where you're learning a little bit about the person themselves, and and that can be a touchy feely enough moment? Or does it? Do you think it's best to just have something that's quite tangible in line with your online?
1: I think both. I think social media can be used as a way to actually create a story, mm. um, a bit of a context, and people can start to visualise what it's like to have a, live a lifestyle or a moment with that product or that brand with. A similar ethos to themselves but I think the physical touch point is really important um you know it's particularly in categories like fashion where you know sizing can be very diverse but even know. just the
0: way the fabric feels I yeah. mean sometimes
1: you get stuff you've
0: bought online and you just go it's just that's gonna feel weird on my skin and I'm, I'm very much I like to touch and feel things I, it's been ages since I've bought anything online which is I've never actually seen I'll find something I like like a pair of jeans and I'll go right I like those pair of jeans and as long as the manufacturer doesn't change it which I hate it when they do (laughs) I can keep buying that stuff online but everything else I've got to I've got to have that tangible connection yeah and that goes
1: back down I think to our instincts of actually being able to trust and to understand that what we're experiencing is real so the touch point is you know a sensory experience where we actually engage with that product and Mm. we say yes you know it has texture, it has weight, so therefore it is actually made of that quality material. So it's all works subconsciously on how we feel. And, like, retail, regardless of physical or online, it's an emotional experience, you know. People work very hard for their money. They've got this vision and this idea of what they want to achieve when they buy that thing. You know, it might create a really special moment when they're travelling or trying to progress their careers. So, you know... It, You have to kind of think about it subconsciously, just what actually the brain is actually doing when it's thinking about shopping, and this is why it's so important for retailers to deliver a really great customer experience throughout the whole process of, you know, shopping to receiving to longevity after they've actually bought the item as well.
0: Mm. Now, speaking of the actual experience and where a customer goes through the process of, you know, making the inquiry or or looking at the website initially for those three to five seconds (laughs) and then immediately (laughs) moves away if they're not engaged enough. um, How important do you think when you're first setting up a website, particularly with a cart, that you do some beta testing? Um, and what's a good way to get people to test your website and give feedback? Because mm. ultimately, family and friends are going to be lovely and soft and fluffy and squishy and nice to you. <laughs> but how do you get that real, um, genuine uh, response? Like, how, how do you get that? Because you want that, don't you? You want to find that out as quickly as possible, where it's clunky, where it's not working. What's your best tip for that?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, probably number one is test it yourself. So log out of all your accounts go onto a new browser and just go onto your website and try to make a purchase. Um, (laughs) And if you can't, there's a bit of a problem there. No, it's really basic and a lot of retailers don't do it. Um, This way you can just see, is it easy to actually find what you're looking for, put it in the cart? If you go to cart, is your pricing what you expect it to be? And what happens when it goes to cart? Do you get a sequence of emails that actually follow up and say, thank you for your purchase, You know, your delivery's on your way, and just experience what it's like to be a customer of your own store. Mm. Um, And then it's also just to delivery. Is it? Does it arrive on time? Is, oh, actually, make
0: a purchase. Make, no, go make a purchase.
1: Make a purchase. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Put it on your card. Yeah. Go through the whole transaction, be a customer.
0: Yeah, that's a very good tip, yeah. actually. And I suppose um, you can, if you can find a really good friend who's going to give you really honest responses,
1: I will. <laughs> but also, you know, test it with your network. Um, mm. So, you know, like I go to a few di- different business networks and talk about my business and listen to other people's stories as well. But actually ask them to buy things from your store. You know, to see what their experience is because they come from all different experiences in business. Like, Not everyone is in your industry. Mm. Um, and you're right. Like, Sometimes when you know, you show a family member, they know too much about your story and what you're trying to achieve, so they already have a, um, a perception about what the whole point of the actual exercise is. So getting somebody who's a c- complete stranger. Another rule is actually get a 12-year-old to test it. A what? A 12-year-old. Specifically? Specifically. A 10- or 12-year-old because kids think differently. Wow. They engage with technology differently and they have no idea... What a brand is and why it's important. They just they just do what they do in the moment. Yeah, impromptu.
0: Yeah, and maybe video while they're doing it, so you can <laughs> exactly. see their frustrations on their faces about where they're at where they're at with their with different websites. Yeah,
1: definitely. Wow, that's a really interesting idea. I mean, there's lots of different systems, and you know, bigger retailers do it, but you can kind of test between um, you know different uh, website layouts, different colours, um, different formats, and just to see what actually works. Um, also, with your email campaigns, you can send out two identical emails that have the same messaging, but are Laid out differently to see what people are actually clicking on,
0: mm, and see if you get a better response. Yeah. That takes time, though. That's that's the one thing about running a small business is running. Oh, I've barely got enough time to do one newsletter, let alone running two simultaneously to see, and then doing the analytics to see what happens at the back end. But I think it's a, often easier than people think. Just just change change things out a little bit, and then have a look at the back end and see what the response has been.
1: Well, a quick example I um, I came across recently was um, the brand. Don't oh sorry, give it. Don't give a crap. Give a crap. Give a. Oh, who gives a crap? Who gives a crap? Sorry. I Love say it wrong. their
0: toilet paper. Let's put a little plug out there for this great not-for-profit organisation that has actually really nice toilet paper, three ply, everyone, and they deliver, and there's no plastic, and it's awesome. Love the product.
1: Very good plug. The side of plug. Um, what they did with their email marketing for a test was they had a big glossy email, went out, got a couple of clicks. They went, okay, this isn't working. Let's take it back to rich text format. And what that means it's just text, no colours, no anything. But what they put at the bottom was a fart button. <laughs> it was just a crude and rude red <laughs> fart button and they said the amount of hits they had and that there was one man, I think, who pressed it in excess of a couple of hundred to a thousand <laughs> times. God. So, you know, speak to the customer. It's keeping in tune with your actual story. It is. It's having a bit of fun and it, it's testing, but they were communicating the same message, but one was glossy, the other one was playful.
0: Right, exactly. Well, some good tips there, Chana. Thank you very much so far. We're learning heaps about how to operate our website and keep it uh, interrelated inter- when it comes to our actual uh, marketing strategy and thinking long term. When we come back after the break, I want to chat to you about um, your experience with the big guys, the Amazons, the Ebays, and and how things have changed over the last few years and what we need to be aware of if we're running a small business in that space. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd on Triple H 100.1 FM. We will be back after these community service announcements.
1: Hey, I'm Jason. And I'm Cass. And we are homegrown.
0: You can catch us Thursdays between 5 and 7 p.m. We bring you the latest news, have unsigned bands playing on air live, games and more. Don't forget to bring your stories, Cass. You never remember.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Jay. Such a good memory.
0: We are live and local on Triple H 100.1 FM.
1: Meet you there.
0: Hi, I'm Chris Hopkins from Rain and Horn, Hornsby, sponsors of Triple H. Call us on 839 777 899. We'll give you honest, expert advice on all your real estate questions. So if you want to sell or have a property to rent out, mention Triple H for your free, comprehensive, written market appraisal. So call me on 839 777 899. That's 839 777 899. Or look us up on the web. That's
1: Rain and Horn, Hornsby. The Australian Red Cross. Blood Service needs to collect more than 25,000 blood donations every week. Every donation can help to save up to three lives. You can donate at Hornsby's William Street Car Park, Monday, December 17, 1.30pm to 6.30pm, Tuesday, December 18, 1.30pm to 6.30pm, and Wednesday, December 19, 11.30am to 4.30pm. Details, 13, 14, 95. A Triple H FM community service. The Triple H Breakfast Show, powered by Lenovo for all your computer needs. Go to lenovo.com.au. Sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM.
0: So back in the studio now with Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We are talking to Chana from Owl and Monk. Or is it Monk and Owl? It's
1: Owl and Monk. Owl and Monk.
0: <laughs> and just before the break, we've been talking all about getting yourself organised with your back-end sales and, and simply the flow of your website as well. Thinking about how that activity and the way that your customers actually relate to you and engage with your business and how it flows into your overall marketing strategy. Now, China, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because uh, you have a lot of knowledge when it comes to the big boys, the Ebays, the Amazons, the Etsys. I, I don't know if these are just names I'm just throwing around because I'm not an ont- online retailer. Now, if someone was, say, starting up a business where they've got a product... And they think, okay, I've got my got my website sorted out. I've got a cart. Now I want to ramp it up. I want to get onto the Ebays and the Amazons of the world. Where do they even start? What's your best top tip there to get started?
1: Okay, so they've got an existing retail business and they've already got a website. So that's great. They've already got a lot of best practice in place. Um, I think it's a matter of just thinking about who their customer is and what their product offering is. Uh, the way I talk to my retailers is about um, understanding their long-term strategy mm-hmm. and what they want to actually achieve with their sales. Um, so eBay and Amazon, is, it's not a platform for all players hmm. um, to kind of just be very specific to what these places are. So they're marketplaces. Um, so a marketplace is just like going to Westfield Shopping Centre where you go in as a customer, you might have the intention of buying one product, and you end up walking out with half a dozen of other things. Uh, marketplaces work very similarly. Similarly, uh, for for customers where they can go in, they can make one transaction, one payment, and know that they're actually backed up by um, payment providers like such as PayPal. In case something goes wrong, it also means that they have a you know an endless suite of you know products to actually choose from. So, um, you know, prices are competitive and it's a good range of product offering. So, for any retailer, it's a good prospect to actually explore selling in these spaces, um, just to get a bit. Um, number driven because I know you like numbers Alexi <laughs> um, so in Australia um, so eBay started in 1999 so it's, it's coming up to its 20 year anniversary next year mm. so congratulations eBay um, it started as an auction house so people had, who had odd bits and pieces that they wanted to get rid of popped it up there and people bid on that um, product based on what they thought it was valuable which created a bit of healthy competition mm. um, but nowadays the majority of people that actually sell on eBay itself are retailers so in Australia, we've actually got 40,000 retailers in Australia who are selling on eBay Australia.
0: Wow, that's so, huge. Much much bigger than I imagined it would and, be. And,
1: you know, more than half of these retailers are actually selling internationally as well.
0: Right. Um, so has it opened up that space for them, for that particular retail? But, but it's not for everyone, as you were saying at the beginning of the program. It,
1: it depends on your customers. It depends on your products. But I think eBay is a wonderful platform for any retailer to actually start testing their products um, because it's a really easy point of entry. Um, you can pretty much set up an account the same day, start listing and just test. Um, you know, you might actually sell things that you would, would have predicted would never have sold and vice versa, your top sellers, which you love, mm. may not actually get as much traction. Um, and is that because it's got a wider
0: audience and more people are going to that? Let's face it, more people are going to eBay than they are going to your website.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, you know, each month, eBay Australia has over 11 million unique visitors. Unique, unique. Wow. So these are potentially people that might come across your product listing that might want to buy it. So when you look at probability of that, you, you potentially can actually sell your products quite, um, quite well. Let's think about that for a second. Fifty percent
0: of Australia is on eBay once a month. Yep, that's huge. Huge. It's almost the entire adult population. Huge,
1: huge. And people buyers have that confidence, like I said before, because they know that eBay and PayPal will actually protect them if something goes wrong.
0: Yeah, now that's an interesting question because uh, as soon as you said that, I thought, right, well, then their fees must be really high for retailers because you're buying into that trust and they're giving those protections to your customers that you can't give and you can't afford that sort of level of insurance. So... uh, Are the costs going to be through the roof?
1: Um, Not through the roof. Like, for an entry point for a retailer, a standard package is about $30 per month. Um, And that's to be a seller? That's to be a seller. Right. So... Besides actually paying your your fee per month, you're not actually spending anything else until you've actually sold the item. And then you've got the then you your final value fees, yeah, the,
0: the, the the item yeah. fees and stuff like that.
1: Final value fees, and you know this is a pain point for small business, um, and you know they're always questioning how they can actually make more profit on that. Mm. But the way I like to see it as, that's actually your marketing expense. You're paying eBay to promote your product and your business to a very big um, active audience for 11 million people per month. 11 mm. million people. Per month, Mm. Um, and there's no other way you can actually get that kind of traffic to your website. Yeah, I don't know how you get 11 million hits. Yeah, (laughs) no, exactly. So I think it's a good investment. Um, It's it's something that I I see as marketing rather than being a cost.
0: So we all know eBay, um, and obviously, new player in the world of Australian crazy online stuff is is Amazon. What's what's the main difference between the two? If you're thinking about becoming an online retailer, how do you choose between them,
1: Um, or
0: do you do you choose?
1: Either or. It um, comes back to what your business is and what your product is. Um, so Amazon's an American model. Uh, eBay's been around in Australia for a lot longer. Um, you know, consumers know Amazon, predominantly for providing you know cheap and competitive books. Mm. Um, but it, the point of entry for a retailer is actually a lot harder to get on Amazon. Right. Not impossible, but I'd recommend actually registering an account as soon as you can because the process can take anywhere up to three months to actually get approved and to start selling on the Amazon marketplace.
0: And it's a bit like what we were saying before about the whole getting on the Woolworths shelves. You've got, are they, the, the parameters tighter? They're much with, tighter
1: on Amazon. Is that because they're... Oh, much they're, different.
0: I, I get that yeah. sense I get that sense I've spoken to a couple of people who have tried to break in or when it was coming it was this great big, enormous frightening thing that people were really scared of, weren't they the online retailers they would think well, it was just going to eat everybody and online retail wasn't the same yet it's happened without much fuss
1: yeah definitely, uh, and
0: everything seems to be okay
1: well it's 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 a challenging um, concept to understand, especially for online retailers that are relying on majority of their sales through digital means um, because they are a very big behemoth, I guess you could say. Um, They do have a lot of um, cash flow and marketing and they know how to do business. But the point of difference for any retailer and also any um, small business is actually providing a great customer service. What's extremely hard to do with eBay and Amazon is to actually provide that ongoing support um, just because of the policies they have in place. Um, So eBay, for example, you're not allowed to actually list your contact telephone number, your address. All communications need to be done through the eBay messaging board um, and they're trying to keep everything protected within the platform. So it makes it really hard for retailers to actually, you know, carry on that customer experience. I wonder, in your
0: opinion, do you think that's because they're trying to keep Everything all about them on their website or because they're protecting both the customer and the retailer by keeping everything written down and, and, and somewhere that it can be referred back to if there's an issue?
1: I definitely agree with both. <laughs> a bit of both. Well, eBay and Amazon, they're businesses. Mm. So if they're going to invest a lot of money, infrastructure and time and getting customers to their site... They don't want you to actually land there and then divert off to a website. They mm. want all sales to come through them because they are a business. They're trying to be profitable um, and also to c- protect the, um, the customers themselves. Do they lock each other out? Do they
0: say um, if you're on eBay, you can't be on Amazon or you can't have the same product on both?
1: I don't think so. Um, I haven't really come across that too often. Um, I wonder if that's coming
0: possibly what are some of the other big retailers that don't pop into my head because those two are literally eating space in my brain um that that people who are say in fashion or something like that might might need to be aware of
1: yeah so the iconic's a great example oh that's um, that's not that's actually a a marketplace as well is it well consider it a marketplace ah. um so the iconic they host hundreds of different brands online Um, but what they do that's quite unique is that they actually offer a great return policy so potentially you could go on there you could buy five or six items you only ever had the intention of, of you know buying one you've got those items home in your house you've tried those clothes on with your wardrobe and you decide hey I like four out of those six items I purchased I'm going to keep those and I'm going to send back the other two and it just makes it really easy for the customer just to pop it in their parcel and not have to worry about it does it make it easier for the retailer, though, in that marketplace? Well, I think it'd be very challenging because, you know, they've got so many different retailers across Australia providing the service. So, mm. yeah, it, it, returns are always a complex process for any retailer. And so is it is it much different from, OK, so I'm thinking if I'm in
0: homewares, for example, I can do the eBay thing and, and then, but is it, do you also have to consider in your marketing strategy whether you want to get on the shelves of a big retailer as well? I mean, how, is it, is, it's, I guess it's just, you know, how long's a piece of string kind of thing? It depends on your product and depends on where you need to be. Yeah. I'm just not in that space. So no, I'm no, you're yeah, a clue. question,
1: I think. <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's all like a, um, it's all an exchange of energy. So you've got to think, where do you want to spend your time and where do you actually want to take this? Um, so you want to, you visualize and you want to plan. So that's where a strategy is very important. Um, You know, there's so many different ways to sell. Like you can sell in a physical retail store. You can have a pop-up. You could test your products, just say, at Westfield Shopping Centre for a month mm. and just see how customers engage with your offering and therefore use that as a way to divert people to your physical store. You know, you can sell through your own online store as well as, you know, exploring marketplaces and other means. It's like you need to be aware of the long-term gain by the sound of it. You
0: know, you need to be aware of... What the cost is for each of these options? Because obviously, a website, a good website, is going to cost you money. It's a great mm. investment, and so is a pop-up shop in the middle of a major shopping center, and so is um, you know the time that goes into setting up yourself on on eBay, for example, to look to look good there. Yeah, um, and maybe not throw yourself into all of them at once. Would yeah. that be your suggestion? I think that's a
1: very good recommendation. Um, I think just. Keep it, keep it as simple as possible. Mm. Go down to the basics and start just looking at your customers. Say, okay, well, how do my customers normally behave? Where are they looking? Because um, one perception with people going online is that they think, oh, well, I'm not a retailer. Why am I putting my products up there? It might not be the strategy, but if you represent your products up there, people. the statistic is 9 out of 10 people actually research um, a business's services or products online before they pick up the phone, inquire or go in store. So if you don't have... Something online, you're potentially missing out on. You know, people finding you and actually going to the competitor. Um, so, you you want to actually have you know your, your product range listed to a degree, even if it's just a sample of your products, so people can find you. Mm. They know, okay, well, this retail actually has a, a good range of homewares. So, I'm actually going to go into their retail store and inquire more. Um, yes, my brand's not there, but they might have a better solution. And this is where the relationship between having a physical retail store and an online store relates to one another. Of course, that. They do work together. Mm. So the website provides helpful information, answers any questions and also just makes people feel like, yes, this is what I need. And then you've got the actual sense of um, reward and, you know, knowledge and know-how from actually going in and talking to the expert in store themselves because they deal with customers every day. You know, they deal with people... Who have certain um, aspirations of what they want to achieve when they go in. Um, so there's commonality within that experience. So the retailer can actually translate that when they engage and you know people sometimes just need that peace of mind that another human's talking to them yeah. and you're yeah. saying you know yes spend your money it's good it's going to help you with your task. That's right and, and,
0: and things are moving back around that way as well. People are coming back to the genuine connections and the I actually want to meet someone face to face or I want to find out about them. What you're mentioning at the beginning of the program uh, maybe. a Everyone needs to make sure they've got a About Us button on their website just to talk about the journey and, and why they're passionate about what it is that they do, even if it's a service you're providing, you know, even if you're an accountant.
1: Yep. All businesses, including accountants, uh, should definitely have an About Us page. And this is probably one of the best pages I'd recommend actually having some fun with. Talk like yourself. Mm. Introduce your business. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing what you do? And just tell your story. Don't have it dry and basic. You know, st- our family established in 1928.
0: Yes, you because know. you're not Harvey Norman. I mean, yeah. the fact is people don't want to engage with you because specifically you're not a major retailer. They want to know about your story.
1: Yeah, especially small businesses. Small businesses want to work with other small businesses. And same with consumers and customers and clients, however you want to define them. They want to talk with other individual humans. So... Mm you know, just say who you are and what you do and why why you do what you do. Like mm. They want to feel that passion and understand your story and be relatable. That's
0: right. And identify with you as what you are. So don't try and make yourself... It used to be that thing, you know, 10 years ago, people were making themselves bigger than who they were. And, you know, our business or our team. It's like, dude, there's one of you. Like, you're it. Why, uh, why are you selling yourself as this giant yeah. multinational when there's
1: just one guy sitting at his computer in his study? And that comes back to a trust point. It's mm. like... Perception 10 years ago people thought you know if they're a business owner they have to show that they're competent to do many things mm-hmm. but sometimes you collaborate with other businesses you can still achieve the same result but you don't have to speak in their voice of we our just be you. Yeah, just be you, and <laughs> this is the solution I offer. Yeah, yeah. Top
0: top website tip: be you. Be you.
1: There we go. Okay, go home now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're listening to Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM with Alexi Boyd. We're going to be back after the break, talking a little bit more about your website, how to make it look snazzy and real and genuine, uh, and all the things and what what how many boxes do you actually need to tick and be aware of when you're thinking about constructing or renovating your website. You're listening to Small Biz Matters. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the studio. You're you're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd here on Triple H 100.1 FM, live in our studios in Waitara. And we have with us an expert today, an online retail specialist from Alan Monk, Chana M. am going to say it wrong. I'm going to say it wrong. Ims, I'm wrong Imsirovich. M.
1: Serbia,
0: very Yay. good effort. In I should have said that ten times before we came back on it. But thank you for joining us today, because if you weren't listening before the break, we were talking a whole lot of stuff about website and interrelating that with your your online strategy, your marketing strategy, and we're going to talk now a little bit about the must-haves. What what really, from an expert's point of view, should you uh, have on your website as as a main, like, just what you can't get away without? Because I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a single business out there needs to have a website it's not even about online presence anymore you need to really have that website so in your opinion what are the say top five things are
1: an absolute must okay so going back to the foundations of design so design is a really important tool to build trust and to tell your story it makes you look professional and so any design just should be as clear and concise as possible if you have particular brand colors use those um, as well as uploading your your logo (laughs) very simple very basic but high res too you see so many websites with these crappy fuzzy logos you've got to have a good high res logo definitely high res Um, you want to be able to show the detail Mm -hmm. Um, you know people do invest a lot of time in their logos and they put a lot of tiny itty bitty little details and if you can't zoom in and see that there's no point in it actually being there Mm -hmm. so uh, definitely upload high resolution images um, and then that takes me on to the next point Um, so the design Actually, I'll back track a little bit. So design should just be as simple and clean as possible and comes back to a functional um, point. So, you know, think about the customer journey and how you want them to actually use your website. So the very top of the page, always start with your logo and then just have a a very basic navigation with the core tasks you want somebody to actually um, engage on when they're on your website. Um, So retailer, for example, have shop. You might have blog and about us. Mm -hmm. So it's as simple as that. And then your first image that you actually have on that above the fold is going to be um, something that communicates what your brand is. So it might be a beautiful lifestyle shot of your products. It might be your team. And within that, just have a very short message that communicates what you do and why it's important. Can I just ask you what's the fold? Uh, the fold? Yeah. Okay. So regardless if you're using uh, a laptop, desktop or mobile phone, it's the very first screen that you see when yep. you actually load a web page. Everything else that you either scroll with your finger or use a mouse to actually go up, that is below the fold. Oh, okay. I learned something today. <laughs> so
0: that's very important is that clean, clear about that. You sound, sound as though you're saying you've really got to be hit what, what we're all about with that first image and that first viewpoint of the website.
1: Well, this is the first experience anyone who comes to your website is going to have. And like we are talking before, people like Goldfish three second memory, they're not going to remember you. Uh, If they get to your website, doesn't load and you don't tell them what you do, Mm -hmm. they're going to go, why am I here? Mm. And they're going to go somewhere else. Um, We do, we forget, we get distracted, we go on social media or somewhere else and you you have to keep it relevant and on task.
0: That's right. And make sure people are going there and know what the hell you do. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And (laughs) I mean, we're all getting all those silly
0: little emails from the website designer called Bob, uh, who thinks he's, you know, you haven't got very many hits on your website. Let me help you with that. Um, it's
1: interesting. None of them actually mentioned something specific about your website that you're doing wrong. I think before you look at SEO, before you look at investing in marketing, it's about keeping the foundations or best practice in place. So design your, your website beautifully, just have it clean and simple include, you know, um, high resolution, clear photography, That can be lifestyle photography of your photos, your team, as well as your products, um, and then having good content. What's your opinion on stock photography? Uh, It can work in some instances. Um, There's a lot of variations within stock photography. Um, Stock photography is a great foundation for anyone getting started who doesn't have a big photography budget. Um, There's some beautiful candid shots up there. Um, There's a website called Unsplash where a lot of photographers actually upload their own collections of products and it's free for people to download and actually utilise on their websites. Um, yeah, the best practice is to actually credit the photographer mm, Yeah. just say, you know, thank you very much. Mm. Um, like I said, it's a good way to get started. But when you're looking for stock photography, it can be a bit of a minefield. So there's a lot of photography up there and you can get distracted. So mm. keep on task for what you're trying to find and try to find candid, down-to-earth photography. You know, if your customer base uh, are based in eastern suburbs, in Sydney, make sure the people in your photos actually look like the people that are your customers. You know, they're not from around the world. Like, what are they wearing? How are they behaving? Make sure they are relatable. Mm, exactly. And I think that's what actually gets lost a lot in stock photography. A lot of that photography is very American.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Because it all comes out of the US. Very American,
1: very clinical, mm. very studio set up. Mm, exactly. Very so, makeup, hair kind yeah, of thing. But, yeah. And it goes back to being the real business. Is this how you conduct business in real life? No, not really. So if you're going to put your own
0: uh, photos up there, just make sure they're the best possible quality that you can get. Possibly, you know, make sure that your mobile phone's not smudged
1: yeah. <laughs> on the lens. Well, you know, the mobile phone technology is so good. Good now, like you know, the resolution of the photos potentially can look great mm-hmm. but if you are going to take a photo just make sure the background is clear of clutter you know just make sure there's no distractions you know if you're a work site trying to show y- y- your staff you know working make sure they're wearing hard hats little details like that just to show you conformity compliance yeah (laughs) so you
0: don't get into trouble um and what about those um how do you make your photos better if you are selling them online because things I find really frustrating is if you go to websites and the photos are so small and you find yourself you know zooming into your web page just to bring up the photos and it'll be better is that
1: is that one of the most important things to you absolutely so I talk about content, which is both photograph, product photography and written content itself. So product photography, I always recommend having a studio, like a studio photographer uh, set those up for you with the right lighting. Um, generally, they'll take the photos with a clear background. Um, in instances where you don't have a clear background, you can use a process called de which actually cuts out the image to remove any distractions. Hmm. Um, you know, other retailers and brands do actually like using the product photos in context but I would always have a photo of the product on its own first and then actually show the product in context. Ah. So if you're selling cushions, have the cushion on its own so people, when they go on the computer, they can zoom in on the detail and actually see the zipper and any kind of beautiful embellishments but then actually show it on the lounge as well. Yeah. Um, and then with product photography, I recommend, you know, between 1,500 to 2,000 um, pixels per inch, um, just a square aspect format which means just your width and your height are the same dimensions. Uh, Between 1500 to 2000 will give you enough resolution that you can actually zoom in on those product details and see, you know, every little piece possible. And why Square? Uh, Square generally um, displays best across all devices Um, and it means regardless of the theme that you use on your website, it's going to be consistent across everything you do. Um, you You know, if you upload an image and it's all different proportions all your content is going to be out of alignment um, and it just makes it very confusing for the person using your website if you've got things from different heights. Mm, and and uh, yeah, exactly when you're scrolling you want it
0: to just be really uniform, don't you? Yeah. You want that to be consistent
1: Another but, thing I find frustrating is when you can't find the price. Price should always up in front Yeah. You know, if you've got products on your home page, show the price um, You know, Just make it the barrier entry for a customer as easy as possible, you know just make it simple, easy to find what they need and then they you'll have more return of them actually converting into a sale. Now, speaking of sales and the
0: checkout process, is are there any sort of top tips you have for people wanting to pay? I mean, obviously, credit card's the easiest option. Um, are there any tips you've got for, for that actual conversion into money?
1: Yeah, make it as easy as possible. Um, like, Afterpay has really changed how um, consumers behave. Um, so, Afterpay is a, a payment option where you can actually... You know, buy the product now and pay it off in equal installments. Um, so it means that people can have have the product when they need and not have to save up. Um, it's kind of like the modern day um, lay-by system. Does it cost anything for retailers it to does. have it on their website? It does.
0: So they are paying at their end plus the percentage consumer range. as well. So is also paying a small percentage as well. Yep. Okay. And is there any setup costs involved in that, or do you have to meet any oh, criteria? Standard. It's
1: all competitive, like like, like your PayPal's, your merchant accounts. Um, they're all much-to-muchness, I think, and it's about thinking about your customer. What's going to make them actually feel comfortable in buying from you? Mm, give them yeah. an option. And give them something that they can trust because,
0: as you mentioned, Afterpay is becoming something and, and those other payment systems are becoming more trustworthy, uh, but you still got the big boys like PayPal and stuff where people have got that buyer protection that they feel a bit Definitely more comfortable agree. with. Yeah. Definitely agree. I would say from a bookkeeping perspective... <laughs> Try not to have 15 different
1: ways people can pay you because it makes it really hard to do your bookkeeping at the back end. But probably one thing I'll point out is always have your payment up front. Yes. Um, you know, eBay years ago would allow people to kind of just pay direct bank transfer in your own time, which is great for the con- the customer but bad for the retailer because you don't know if you've actually sold that product. So mm. it affects your inventory levels. So you want to know, okay, sales been made, money's gone into the account, simple automated process. Okay, let's pack and ship it out.
0: Yeah. So remove anything that's not instantaneous, basically. Absolutely. Okay, good top tip there. Um, So let's talk about the the impending disaster that is Christmas that is coming at this time of year. What's um, some really good practical uh, strategies that you need to think about at this time of year? Obviously, we should have been thinking about them about two months ago, but just... Let's pretend it's next year and it's October. Um, what's your top tip for online retailers to prepare
1: for the silly season? Okay, so we've got 14 day to, days to go. So we have got to scare time. us. Um, <laughs> you know what? People have actually started their shopping because of a lot of these trends, like Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Mm. So the whole season's actually moved forward. So most consumers are actually thinking about it, but retailers, there's not a lot you can do right now. Um, probably what I said before is just do a test purchase on your own website uh, just make sure it's easy to go through the process, to make payment, and that the whole delivery sequence makes sense. Uh, the second thing is to actually talk to your website host. Um, this is really important to make sure that you know when customers actually go to your website that it doesn't crash. And in particular, if you've got a particular um, marketing campaign to your website, that high influx of customers, it's actually going to be able to manage the transactions and you're going to be able to sell. Does anybody out
0: there actually know how many hits your website can cope with?
1: It varies. Yeah. No one knows. No. Um, so I, I, I work a lot with Shopify. Uh, Shopify is a self-hosted um, website platform um, and they're very well known to have good, reliable management of high volume traffic um, and there's a lot of big retailers actually using it. Uh, so once you've asked that question, just see how they're going to manage that and then that falls into your logistics. You know, can your staff actually manage those sales? Oh yeah, so, you've got
0: people involved too, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got people. That.
1: Absolutely. and. <laughs> Yes, it's a good problem, but no, it's a very bad problem if you can't actually manage your sales because it's reputation building. So if you've put out all this money into this campaign, you've had a huge influx of traffic, website goes down and you can't deliver, that's poor reputation building. Mm, So mm. make sure you have a process to manage that with your team and actually celebrate the wins with your team. You know, they've worked hard. Well, you you know, you you can't do it on your own. It's part of a whole team um, process. Uh, And probably the third thing I'd want to highlight is actually talking to your logistics provider. So talk to whoever it is that fulfils all your orders, like your shipping, uh, like Auspost, Sandler, your know, courier, yeah. T and just see when their cutoffs are. Mm. So we've pretty much got a window of about a week now where you can get your guaranteed delivery in time for Christmas. Within Australia. Uh, within Australia. I think international cutoffs are pretty much what we've passed them. Been and gone. Been right. and gone. There's a couple. There's so what's your ideal
0: lead-in time? Like if you go, okay, it's January, I'm thinking about next year, Um, I'm thinking about my highs and lows in my retail. And obviously everyone is in retail. It's Christmas is a high. What is the ideal, you know, best time to start thinking about a Christmas campaign?
1: Oh, all year. You You got to say January. Um, You know, I think probably for any retailer, it's about sitting down and actually looking at the calendar calendar of events for the year. Um looking from your business structure what important events actually impact you so you mentioned um, before Cyber Monday and and
0: crazy what was it Cyber Friday what I can't remember Black Friday I'm so not in retail That's all right um, but you, you mentioned those those need to be important parts of your Well they they're
1: very important in the retail calendar so you've got Black Friday Cyber Monday Boxing Day sales and then you know end of financial year and a few others in between um so they're pretty much the basics that you want to actually prepare for um, but also just look at what, what happens with your distributor line as well um, you know uh, Chinese New Year. Opera. Oh yes we need to consider that as well especially if you're manufacturing there. You know, yeah if you're manufacturing China the whole country shuts down for a month so it's four to six weeks where you no one will pick up the phone mm. you can't have your deliveries you can't answer questions you've just got to wait it out mm. so make sure you, you plan that within your calendar sequence as well. So there's a few important calendar notes to
0: have there. And look, by the time you've mentioned half a dozen of them, they're every two months. And if you want to create a marketing strategy, that's it. You've got it. You've got those those high points and those low points.
1: But I think it all comes back to just, you know, planning and being strategic. So, you know, you've created this website that professionally profiles your business. You have good content. You have detailed descriptions and titles. You have great photography. You've got the foundations to market all year round. Now you start thinking about your customer. So you think, well, what what what's important to their lives? Okay, it's Mother's Day. You know, it's Father's Day. You know, Easter. What what else is happening? Where are people celebrating? You know, Christmas is important because people come together. They share a meal. So people like homewares. Sorry, retailers like homeware categories. They're preparing for people to actually have meals. What do Mm. they need? They need picnic baskets. They need champagne glasses. They need something to cook their turkey on. Um, So think about what your customers' needs are and why you're selling your product to them. Mm. And then have some fun with your campaigns, you know, how to cook a great Christmas turkey. You know, it's really simple. It's fun. Everybody can relate to food. You know, have some fun with it and just be as detailed as possible and do a little bit of a cheeky um, – promotion of your product. Oh, well, that's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and just a great way
0: to, to wrap up today's show. I'd like to thank you very much for jam-packing us full of information about getting our on re- online retail strategy really nailed. Um, now, how can people find out more about you, Chana?
1: Okay, so I'm a big advocate for LinkedIn. Um, I find it's a really great resource to um, to meet other like-minded professionals in the industry. Um, so feel free to get in contact with me. My name's Chana Msuravik. I'm the only channel on there, C-H-A-N-A, <laughs> hey. um, so win. Uh, you can also contact me via my website, Alan Monk. It's O-W-L-A-N-D-M-O-N-K.com.au. Um, and... I don't know, there's a good starting point. Yeah, exactly. Look, thank you so much for sharing all of your
0: fantastic knowledge and your expertise and your wealth of experience as well with here on Small Biz Matters on Triple uh, H 100.1 FM. Now, for those of you who are listening uh, and you've missed some of today's show, you can, of course, catch up via smallbizmatters.com.au where you can listen to over 120 podcasts available anytime. Plus, you can subscribe to us on the iTunes app where there are over 50 fantastic podcasts to listen to where you can really increase your business knowledge. I've got great... Uh, guest lined up next week again and then we're having a couple of weeks off for the Christmas break but we'll be back in the new year with guests coming out of our ears with fantastic knowledge expertise and business education for you. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week on Triple H 100.1 FM. This is Alexi Boyd.